Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. My name's Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have a guy that I'm really excited to hear, hear this guy's story because he's like the millionaire email list builder. And man, we all need a better list. So do yourself a favor and list and listen, listen. Notice how listen has list in it. Um, listen to this, but first share this out to everybody that you know. Let's get a ton of people on here and listen to Igor. Igor Kfetz is on the show today. Share this out. Let's rock and roll. Let's go. Be back in a second. And it is show time. Let's bring Igor on. Igor, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's an honor to have you here, man. I'm because, well, we talked a little bit before we got started um, about my 30 years almost in, in this industry. And here you, I'm not known as the millionaire list builder. So you are though. <laughs> and, and so I'm excited to hear about this. Um, but first let's talk about, so this show is all about helping people have a breakthrough in life, right? So let's, let's talk about where it all started for you. Where were you born and raised? I was born and raised in Ukraine out of all places. And I know Ukraine now is, uh, is a lot, you know, just present in the media and the conversation. But back then, nobody cared about Ukraine. It was just before the wall came down. So it was basically a version of Russia. And uh, we were just allowed to start enjoying some Western uh, goodness, you know, like Coca-Cola yeah. and, you know, videotapes and blue jeans. <laughs> and so I, I grew up uh, in poverty. And um, around the age of 12 or so, my family decided to move to Israel because my dad made a really bad investment in something called the kolkhoz. I don't know if you're familiar with the term. Called it's the basically kolkhoz. It's, it's a Russian term for a state-owned farm that got privatized by an individual. And he raised money from my dad and a few other people. Now, my dad didn't have a lot of money, so he um, loaned it from a local gangster. Nikolai Makarenko. It was $10,000 at the time, a lot of money, especially yeah. in Ukraine. Uh, I mean, just to understand how much money that is, you could buy an apartment for three and a half thousand dollars US. So that was like wow. a lot. Um, and so my dad invested and a few of his other friends invested uh, with him. And what they discovered a year later is that the, uh, the CEO of that farm um, actually spent the money on booze, prostitutes and you know all the good stuff so wow we basically got all the good stuff <laughs> all the good stuff yeah. so uh, my dad decides to sell uh to sell the apartment that we had um to sell the car and uh with about a thousand dollars in savings and a few suitcases we moved to israel because we had the jewish connection you know both of my parents are 100 jewish so we moved to israel 
and we start over. But that beginning uh, doesn't go uh, well. My dad suffers a heart attack in about six months from uh, from the moment we moved. Uh, he goes into a double bypass. And then from that moment on, we live on a single paycheck. Uh, my mom gets a job at a factory. Wow. And we continuously sink deeper and deeper and deeper into debt and try to mooch money off of relatives that we had uh, in Israel, uh, mostly my my grandmother from my mother's side until um, I grew up, you know, to be capable of working. And so this is when I kind of uh, joined the workforce later and eventually um, start my online business. And a few years later, finally have a breakthrough that, and, you know, and, and start really helping out my family. But until then, it was a, a really bad streak from right about when I was 13 or so all the way until uh, 22, 23, 24, it was pretty much debt, poverty, uh, asking for favors, uh, you know, uh, looking for furniture and, in, 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 you know, dumpsters, uh, you know, because in Israel, people just throw out the furniture instead of fixing it. So me and my dad would go, we would look up furniture, see something that was like in, in good condition, fix it up and take it home and things like that. So that, that was my life. So, so go back to, um, you said something that's just has me really curious, um, about the, in Ukraine and the wall coming down. I didn't, I didn't realize there was a wall. Sorry. <laughs> I apologize for that. I don't think I paid attention in that class or something. Um, but, but talk about like you said, blue jeans, like what you did, you couldn't wear blue jeans. Look, it's um, it, it was it was uh, so the wall I'm referring to is the Berlin Wall, right? So oh, the wall, the wall that yeah, yeah. that was between the eastern and western Berlin. Yeah, so yeah. it signifies the fall of the Soviet Union, and uh, the borders opened up. So until then, you weren't allowed to listen to Western music, you weren't allowed to smoke Western cigarettes, you weren't allowed to wear blue jeans because it's the Western product. You weren't allowed to watch videotapes. Uh, or listen to cassettes um, from Western um, uh, for Western music. You basic anything that was rock and roll was considered to be uh, negative influence. And if you were caught reading Western literature, for example, or trying to communicate to the West in some way, shape, or form, you were thrown in jail. I mean, that was. Oh State, you know, the state of how things were at the time. So I was born in 88 and the wall came down, I think, in 89. So it was just on the on the tail end of the Soviet empire. Holy moly, man. I I didn't realize all of that. So that was that it was a, a communist country then. It was very much so. Okay. And recently there, there a movie came out called Tetris about the famous video game. I saw that. I saw a move. I saw that. I didn't see, watch the movie, but I saw a preview of it. Is it yeah, yeah. So if you watch the movie, that movie is about one of the people who were involved in getting Tetris out to the, to the West and to the to Japan because it was a, a game invented by a Russian programmer. And so in that movie, it's actually shown really, really well what it was like to live in the in the Soviet Union back then. What were you wow. allowed to do? What you were not allowed to do? And you know what? Basically, how quickly your life could be ruined if the KGB suspected you were communicating with the enemy. Oh my God! Wow, that's insane. So, how old were you then? You were born in eighty eight. What year did you move to Israel? 
My family moved to Israel uh, in 2000, June 1st, 2000, which means um, I... was 12. Uh, yeah, I was 12, going on 13. And um, I, I got lucky, I think, because I think my parents made a great decision. Because if they didn't make that decision back then, I'd be in the Ukrainian army right now. Most likely shot somewhere under Donetsk or something like that. Um, uh, but I got lucky. I uh, we we started living in Israel. Israel is a democratic country, very much influenced by the United States, by Great Britain. So lots of uh, Western influences in the country, and therefore freedom of speech is predominant. Uh, technology is widely available. Lots of really smart people surrounded me. And even though the country does have its own set of issues, which caused me to leave it eventually, and I now live in Toronto with my own family, with yeah. my own you know, wife and children, um, back then what it did was it gave me access to the Western world, the English language, and of course, access to a computer, Right. Uh, which I got my first computer when I turned 14 years old. And uh, naturally, the first thing I did, just like any teenager, I played video games, but what yeah. it did, it caused me to feel comfortable around the computer and therefore eventually when i was looking for meaning in life and trying to to find my breakthrough uh if you will i found it online i found it through the means of getting access to things like the tony robbins personal power two tapes and yeah. talks by brian tracy and jim Rohn and zig ziglar and dan kennedy and gary helbert and many many others and you know it led uh, to discover the led me to discover this big world uh, of financial independence, of, of uh, lifestyle design, of, of freedom, of all sorts, freedom, location freedom, time freedom, financial freedom. And uh, I got I got bitten by this bug uh, and I wow. and I couldn't stop ever since. Dude, that is so awesome. I, I know the bug well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a Commodore 64C when I was 11 years old and that's where I learned how to write basic language. It was <laughs> took three days just to write code to make a little ball blip around on the screen. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's crazy. right. But so, so, um, so that man, here's, here's the thing. Cause I'm from America, right? I didn't, I grew up in poverty. I didn't grow up with money at all. Um, so I can relate to growing up in poverty. I can relate to having to go get a job like at it as a kid, like having to go mow yards and do my, you know, to make money. But what most people in this country can't relate to is the communism factor, number one. Um, I, we may be getting closer to that. I, we won't go there. But anyway, um, you know, they can't relate to the communism factor. They can't relate to not being able to wear blue jeans or, or like listen to acdc if you want or whatever look look like, first off i'm happy you mentioned acdc it's my favorite band of all time that uh, makes two of absolute amazing favorite. dude wow uh, but but just to understand what what life was like there we only drank coca-cola for christmas you, you could you couldn't otherwise get it like it was not something you could get um wow. uh, wearing blue jeans was considered to be um, an exception to the rule. Like if, if there was like a whole neighborhood full of people and one had a pair of blue jeans, that was the coolest person in the neighborhood. Wow. If they had a, a lucky strike cigarettes or, or uh, Marlboro or uh, camel or LM, I think there was uh, with the blue or red L and M L and M. Yeah. We, we used to call it LM. Um, so that was like, that's how you were cool. 
if you had Western stuff, that's how you were cool. Dude, that is crazy. I mean, it's 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 so interesting to me to hear that. Like people just can't relate to that that are from the United States. They can't. There, there's no the elevator doesn't go to that floor. Like they don't get it. But but it gets it gets even worse than that because imagine. You know, today, for example, even a middle class, lower middle class and even a low lower income families, they're able to travel at least once every three to four years. Yeah. It's it's basically expected for them to travel. I mean, yeah, they have to fly low cost economy. They have to find coupons and get last minute deals, but they can travel. Yeah, they got a cell phone and everything. Um, back in the day, you, you weren't allowed to travel even if you had the money. Because wow. there was a wall, there was like this this curtain, the iron curtain wouldn't let you. Um, and if you were to try and get out, you had to have a reason. You were investigated. Your family was then put under surveillance. Um, I mean, it, it was it was uh, really just a, a terrible, terrible time, in my opinion, uh, to try and and rebel uh, and try to claim freedom. You know, one of the things that is fascinating to me is that. I don't I don't exactly know the dates, but back when America was formed, the, the forefathers, they they written down the First Amendment, the freedom of speech, I believe, is the first one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they did it with a feather. Right. In other words, like it was so ancient, yet it was understood as a basic human right to have freedom of speech. No such thing existed in the Soviet Union when I was born. No such thing. Wow. You weren't allowed to say things you wanted to say. No way. Wow, man, that is so insane to me. I, I mean, you know, there are there's a lot of scrutiny, obviously, right now with um, with with some of that happening here. You know, not on that level yet, but it's 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 starting to happen. But so so you know, you were in Israel and you were 12, 13 years old. Um, you you. Um, started working you said to help support the family like what what yeah so what happened was um when my dad went into a double bypass from that moment forward he couldn't find a job and not because yeah. he didn't want to work but because nobody wanted to hire a guy who could fall dead you know uh, in the middle of a work day yeah uh, so the most he could uh, muster was getting security jobs here and there but the problem with security companies is they they don't want you to get seniority so you'd work for about six to eight months and then you get fired for three months and then you get yeah. hired three months later this way they don't have to put you on a constant payroll and pay you pay your taxes and benefits and things like that so my dad couldn't really hold the job uh, and the problem with that was not having a stable income and only having uh, one income. My mom was working, um, caused us to start sinking deeper in debt. In fact, and it it will be also should be surprising to most people. Israel is still one of the countries in the world that where it is common for a family to live in debt, but not in the terms of like taking out loans or whatever or credit card debt, but rather it's common to go into overdraft. So we lived in overdraft. Our bank balance was neg negative wow. okay, for 12 years until oh I succeeded and finally paid off uh, all of my parents' debts. Um, but it was always like kind of fluctuating between minus three grand to minus five or six. Then paycheck comes in back to minus three, four. And so over the years, we, we started sinking deeper and deeper and deeper wow. until 
we got to a consistent minus 10,000 uh, Israeli shekels in the bank, which which is uh, roughly minus three to four thousand dollars US at the time. Um, so it was normal. Like I grew up literally not only in poverty, but in, you know, it was normal to me and uh, uh, for wow. my friends to constantly be in overdraft, meaning that no one ever had any abundance mindset. No one had any optimism about getting out. There was no particular big dreamers around me either. It was just a normal and expect that you work a job and, and you, you get debt and you sink yeah. deeper into debt, but the bank allows you to do it. So you just keep living that way. That's insane. I, well, it's not much different than credit card debt, right? I mean, it's it, it kind of the same, really. Um, but okay, so God, that is unbelievable. Did you and uh, and I, I I have two questions back to back. Number one, did you go to college? Um, I'm gonna guess you didn't, but maybe you did. Maybe you did. Um, but the second part of that is, was there something? inside of you this is almost a rhetorical question was there something inside of you that just was pissed off <laughs> like i've got to figure this success thing out like was there something a force driving you inside um that got you to where you are today i mean which i know is in a great place so to answer your first question, no, I did not go to college, but I went to sort of kind of a poor man's version of it. I basically got enrolled into an Israeli Air Force Academy by my parents because my dad was ex-military. And the reason uh, that was done is because uh, the government subsidizes your education. So I could get a below college level education but above high school level education, um, if I just went to that uh, academy for six years, which I did, and I graduated with flying colors. So I didn't go to college because I couldn't afford it. Um, and at the same time, I did my best to, to be an exceptional student in the academy. Um, then I had to do Israeli army. Um, and then after the Israeli army, I came out and I started kind of looking around me and I really didn't understand why do people settle for this life? Because when I got out of the, ar got out of the army, um, I, I got a job at a local chemical uh, facility. And the job was to fill out these big jugs with gooey green fluid, uh, pack it, put it on a, on like a, a, a lift and uh, package it and ship it out to uh, Brazil and Argentina. Wow. That was a minimum wage job with uh, lots of risks. In fact, as, as I'm working, I have to be wearing a full-on hazmat suit. And before I go home, I have to take a chemical shower with a special soap uh, that is designed to clear off chemicals off my skin. Because if I don't, my risk of getting cancer is like 80%. Uh, that so, sounds like a really healthy environment to be working in. <laughs> but, but it's, also, you know, but it's mm -hmm. also something that can motivate you to make a change. Because yep. while most people around me accepted that as norm, what, what happened to me was I had a lot of time to think because um, as a part of that facility's safety regulation, you were not allowed to work for more than 45 minutes straight inside the facility. You had to clear uh, outside. You had to stay outside for at least 15 minutes in, uh, within every 60-minute interval um, in order to, again, prevent the risk of lung cancer and breathing in different fumes and such.
So every hour while at work, I had at least 15 minutes of sitting in the designated smoking area and everybody smoked but me. Um, basically, where people <laughs> sat down, smoked, uh, talked smack and or discussed news and drank coffee. And you know I the irony, though. Like there's, a, there's the irony. Of, from school. Well, yes, I understand. Like we're out here avoiding cancer. <laughs> I, I don't think most people who work there cared about that. I really don't. I know some people who actually paid off the security guards just so they can go home earlier so they don't have to take the chemical shower because it actually saved them about 30 minutes a day wow. uh, because that's how long it takes you to go in the shower, do the soaping, scrubbing, and put on clean clothes and stuff. Um, so I don't think most people cared. I think most people really didn't bother. They kind of accepted that's what life is and that life sucks and that's how I'm going to live it. But, but but not me. I was too young for that, I think. Uh, I think at the time I was questioning, like, how can you go for the next 40 years living like that? And it didn't really sit well with me. And so that's what caused me to hit the internet and use my English language that was acquired really from watching TV and playing video games on the computer and reading stuff online and wow. go seek out um, advice and see how can I change my life. So I did find Tony Robbins, uh, Brian Tracy, Joe Vitale, Bob Proctor, all the big names. Yeah. And what, what's funny is that I noticed they all do something. They all do this one thing. And I was like, wow, I, it's, it's fascinating that they all seem to do it. And they all seem to be very happy, successful, and rich. And that was they were all building their email list. Everywhere I went, if I got on their website or social media or anything, it would always lead me to some place where there would be a form where I could enter my email address. And they started like all, all of a sudden my, my email inbox was exploding with emails. I was like, is there something to it? Why are all of these people are doing it? And then, yeah, apparently there is. As I would later find out, it's actually a very profitable thing you can be doing. That's a really cool light bulb to have go off, man. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So, and and how old were you again? What year was this when you had this epiphany about the email list thing? So that was um, right, right after the army. So I want to say 22, 23 um, I'm already taking interest in trying to make money. I believe the idea that you can make money online in spite of this being still a very, very unlikely idea. Like most people still didn't really subscribe to that. I mean, at that time, they were still debating whether the Internet was real, whether they should take it seriously. Most people were not on social media. Um, you know, it was it was a different time. I mean, uh, now it's so, it's like common. Now everybody says, well, common sense, you know, want to make money, go make money online. Why do we even need to go make money offline? Uh, but back then it was, it was ludicrous idea that, you know, anytime I would mention it to my friends or my, my dad, I would be left out of the room very quickly because that would be like a pie in the sky sort of conversation. Even my wife is impressed and she's hard to impress. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So, so, um, Wow, man. So that, okay, I'm I'm trying to put together the year, the timeline. So it had to have been in the late 2000s, 2000. I'd say it's um um so I went full time online in December 2010, which means oh. we're probably talking uh 2008, 2009, so yep. that that sort of uh, yeah. time frame. Wow. Okay. So, here we go. 
How big is your list? I'm kidding. You don't have to disclose that <laughs> if you don't want. I'll bet you it's huge though. Um, but, <laughs> but so, so, cause Grant Cardone, he's like, hit the list, hit the list, hit the list. Oh, right? Grant, Grant's a big mailer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huge, huge. I'm like, bro, come on, man. Like he's like nonstop. Right. Yeah. So, so talk about how you got started, how you started building your list. I talk about this with my clients. Like you don't have an email list. What's wrong with you? Like you got to get an email list. What are you doing? Um, so talk about how you got started building your list and, and, you know, just start there. How'd you start building a list? So seeing all these big and famous people that I really looked up to and wanted to be more like them, um, right. I, I knew I understood that I needed to try it out. The problem is that I wasn't the Tony Robbins. I wasn't the Joe Vitale. I wasn't the best selling author. I didn't have seminars. I didn't have my keynote speech down. Um, I wasn't nobody. I had no products to sell. I had no following. I had no presence of any kind. And, uh, you know, the, the problem for me was what do I even market? Right. So right. I actually started out building my list in the MLM industry. Wow. Yes. So I joined this MLM. Uh, it's called uh, the Global Domains International. You can Google it. I think it still exists. And the idea is you pay $10 a month for a website and hosting. And if you refer somebody, you get $1 a month. And if they refer somebody now, it multiplies. So if, if I brought three people who brought in three people each, eventually I could get to like 3K per month, which for me at the time, like I said, that was a lot of money Yeah. because, uh, you know, uh, that would be like translated into uh, into Israeli shekels. That would, you know, be more than enough to pay my bills. In fact, right. I really only needed roughly eight uh, to $900 a month to cover my bills, which of course made it ever so difficult for me to get going online because any tools that I needed to buy, any ads that I wanted to run, any infrastructure that I needed to set up, even paying for my domain annual fee, all that hurt a lot, uh, quite a bit actually. So I actually had to go and get a second job um, in order to have a little bit of money for my online side gig. Um, and and that, that created a different issue. And the issue was I didn't really have much free time. Uh, at all to devote to my business. So I, I tried finding kind of spots in between my jobs before work, after work, um, you know, really gave up going out, gave up partying, gave up anything that could have cost time and money and really zeroed in on what I thought was my mission. And that is to figure out how to make a lot of money so I don't have to work a job ever again so i can have some meaning and purpose to my life and uh i'm not i, I wasn't big on travel i never had uh, like i've never dreamed of you know visiting uh, 50 countries in 50 weeks or anything like that i've never been a nomad sort of person even today uh when i'm making a lot of money i'm still spending most of my time here at home in toronto yeah. Very stable life, very boring life, if you will. Yeah, I do have some passions. Like I drive a, a Porsche. My wife drives a Porsche. And when we go out, when we you know, fly out somewhere, we fly business class and we stay in nice hotels. But I've never been passionate about just you know going to Nicaragua and living at, at, at the top of a mountain <laughs> or, or anything like that. Um, so That sounds I, fun though, right? I mean... It does. Yeah, maybe when the kids are growing up and... 
but right, not not right. today, not today. Right. <laughs> so not, not going to the top of Machu Picchu anytime soon. Yeah, not not my thing, honestly. I mean, I, I got I got this ridiculous fear of flying too, which means every time I consider to go on a trip, I really have to like really want to go. Like the most recent trip, I don't know if you can see it, but behind me, I've got some uh, soccer jerseys. So I went out to I went out to the UK and um, went to see a couple of football games. Uh, that was that was epic. I, I loved it. Like for that, I'll fly anytime. Um, yeah. So back to, you know, when I started and how I yeah. started. So I started with the MLM. I failed miserably. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, people started calling me a Ponzi scheme pusher, obviously pyramid schemer, etc. Wow. Uh, so eventually I moved away from MLMs and I've discovered uh, there is, was a way to sell other people's products or to, I should say, market other people's products uh, without having to talk to people where you get paid the lion's share of the sales. Yeah. And that's called affiliate marketing. It's a concept where someone else is creating the product, dealing with customer support, merchant processing. They build the website and the sales page and everything. Your job is to just get people to see their website with your special tracking link. And if you do that and somebody buys, you get paid commission. And what's really cool is that this is where I got my breakthrough. I remember getting my first commission check of $124. Um, you know, I was mailing my list and made sales from my list. And um, my dad was, you know, the biggest naysayer in my life at the time. You know, I, I immediately went to his house, immediately presented the check and said, hey, I'm just going to go and cash that in. And we're going to, you know, I'm going to buy groceries and we're going to eat the groceries and we're going to eat it together. It's just so you know, this is this is real money. You yeah, know, this yeah. is not monopoly money. This is not pie in the sky. Like this is happening. You yeah. know, from that day forward, like he actually supported me in every beginning. Wow. Never doubted me. He said, you know what? You need more money for your ads or something. Here's my credit card. And because the bank canceled my card because I missed a few payments and it was, it was really satisfying feeling to prove him wrong, you know, because, I love that, man. because he's like, he's like a, an ex Soviet military traditional yeah. upbringing conservative dude. Who's like listening to his boy who's supposed to be working a real job. Uh, talk about some internet money, you know, like it was impossible for him to believe that unless he saw some real results. And so once I got my first check, the next check was soon to come and the next one. And eventually I started making over a thousand dollars a month. So that was enough for me to actually cover all my bills and, and put some money away. Now I still had my day job, which means I had a decent chunk of money. So I'm starting to go out. I'm starting to, you know, treat myself, buy me a car. My first car was an, um, was an Opel Corsa. Um, I think it's an, it's an equal, it's actually made by the same, it's made by GM. Because yeah. they own the brand. So it's kind of like a Chevy Cruze almost, yeah. but it's a different shape. Yeah. And uh, then within about six months or so from, from that moment, I scaled to my first $10,000 online in, in a single month. Wow. And what's really crazy is that I was, I was uh, at home watching a movie, eating sushi with my soon-to-be wife. And it hit me that I just made about 13 times more money in a single month than I used to make in a month. Wow. When I realized that, I quit my job. <laughs> and I haven't worked wow. a job since. Wow. That's so freaking cool, dude. So, and and you were making this money. Let, I have a couple questions. So you were making this money through affiliate marketing, is you, which I get 
Amazon, right? We talked about that. Um, I just, I'm obsessed with emails. Like I can't stand having red notifications on my phone. Like it drives, I don't know why I'm obsessed with it. And just like in between here, I'm looking down at my phone. I'm watching affiliate money roll in literally right now as we're talking. This is huge. And I talk about this to people all the time. Like, dude, you got to figure out the affiliate thing. Like, and you're, that's why I was so excited about having you on today. But let me ask you this, because this is something that just bugs the crap out of me. I obsess over who unsubscribes. Okay. <laughs> do you ever do, do you ever like go, why did they unsubscribe? What is going on? Like, do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Like it bugs me. Like what I see really, really, really good friends of mine that unsubscribe from my list. And I'm like, why did you do that? What's wrong with you? You know, uh, it could be many things, but I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, I, I, I really, so here's my philosophy about list building. I actually don't mix um, my list building and my, my family or friends for that exact reason, because I learned that from the MLM days when I recruited my best friend Max into the into this MLM, um, and then he canceled his subscription a few days later. I was really upset with him at the time. And yeah. so, uh, what I've learned, and this is why, by the way, I don't build my list with social media, is uh, you know, don't mix friends and family in your business. Like, keep it separate. You get to avoid this kind of stuff. But to answer your question regarding unsubscribes. I definitely do obsess about them. And if I send out an email and my subscribe rate is higher than usual or, or something, I go in and I check and I start obsessing, wondering, oh, no, I'm losing subscribers. But you know what I've found is that the unsubscribe rate is higher when I send out emails that make me the most money. Apparently, uh -huh. they really hit hard on certain emotional pain points or something, and they alienate the ones who didn't want to buy from you in the first place, and they help you close more sales with the ones who like you but haven't you know, pulled the trigger yet. That's freaking brilliant, dude. That's brilliant. I, 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 lo I love the story about um, Grant tells this story about how somebody came to him and that worked for him like in 2010 and grant we're losing all kinds of of followers on twitter and why well we're you're tweeting too much and he's like how much am i tweeting and i don't nine or ten times a day and he goes all right tomorrow we're gonna start doing 30 to 40 tweets a day <laughs> like he's like okay well those aren't my customers i don't care but i, I you know I, I, and lb says they'll be back and i love that that doesn't mean that that I know how to emotionally accept that. That's just me personally. So I I, I love what you just said, though, man. My, even my wife said, "Boom!" It's so true. So so, what is your message to people who struggle with? I'm I, I'm afraid to email my list because I don't want unsubscribers. I don't want them to think I'm bugging them. Yeah, I think that's one of the most common reasons uh, why people don't email their list. One of the most common things I'm noticing, and I have lots of students who are obviously building their list, and I'm telling them every single day, like, that's my philosophy, you know, build a list, build a list. Yeah. Um, a lot of them build a list and don't email. Two reasons. One is just like what you said, I don't want to get unsubscribed, so I don't want to alienate people. The other one is they don't know what to say, uh, which, um, you know, to me, that's, that's just almost sinful 
to build a list and not mail it because it's one of those things where you don't use it, you lose it. A list, when people get on your list and you don't actually mail them, they forget that they got on your list. They forget who you are. They forget the agenda. And next time you're going to send them an email, they're going to mark you as spam or unsubscribe because they just don't recognize you. Right. MailChimp actually done a study about email frequency and how it correlates to unsubscribe rates. And what they've discovered is that the lowest unsubscribe rates are on email lists that get mailed every single day. And the right. highest unsubscribe rates are on email lists that get mailed once a month. Now, why oh is that? Because God. you're not top of mind. You're simply not top of mind for your subscribers. So you need to be mailing your list every single day and condition them to hear from you around the same time every single day, even if you cringe every time you email them. But here's a trick that, in my opinion, a lot of people are missing as far as mailing relevant uh, interesting, engaging uh, content in their emails. Uh, it's not. It's really not about creating like this this really content-rich newsletter. Uh, it's really not about that. It's more about showing them you understand what they're going through. Let's say you've got a, an email newsletter for people who are trying to lose weight and you predominantly promote keto-related diets. Right. So if your content is about, maybe your email goes something like this. Um, you know, meet Jane. Jane is a busy mom of two. She's got a full-time job. The kids she needs to juggle, you know, school runs and such. And she, she hasn't been doing any kind of weight loss or dieting or hasn't gone to a gym in, in many, many years. And why is that? Is, is Jane, does, does she not care how she feels, how she looks? Does she not care about her health? You know, uh, does she believe she can't lose weight? No, none of this is true. What actually is true is that Jane is so busy taking care of everyone else's needs first that she puts her own needs last. And therefore, by the time she needs to go to the gym, she's exhausted. All she wants to do is just, you know, uh, sit on the couch and watch Netflix and eat her uh, favorite chocolate bar. All right. That's the reason why Jane can't get in shape. So, mm -hmm. you know, we got this cool program that helps busy moms like Jane um, uh, to simply rearrange or redefine their existing diet in a way that isn't intrusive, where they can still take care of their loved ones, but at the same time, take care of themselves, lose weight without going to the gym. Go here to check it out. This wow. email is empathetic. This email shows you understand exactly what your target market is going through, especially if you're marketing to stay-at-home moms or, or moms in general. Because right. this is the one thing that, you know, as a dad, I, I now understand. You know, the first thing, if I'm being left alone with my kids and my wife has something to do, the first, she comes back and the first question is, did you feed the kids? <laughs> no. Right. Usually no. the answer, the answer is no. <laughs> Uh, but you know, what's, what's really crazy is that if she, one time she came back and she caught me making myself a sandwich while my son was on the couch oh, and shit. she's like, Oh, you're making a sandwich for Chris. I was like, no, I'm making a sandwich for me. And it, it just ticked her off so bad. I, you know, she really set my ears that day and she really let me have it because right. how dare you feed yourself before you feed your child, right? So it's a different philosophy altogether where she will do everything for us, for me, the kids, yep. everyone, and she'll put herself last. Yep. My wife is the same exact way. I'm like, no, she's 12 years old. She can feed herself. What are you talking about? Exactly. <laughs> so, so, um, 
wow, man, that, that is, that is so incredible. The information you're sharing here, if the people that are listening or watching, like, holy crap, share this out. Everybody needs to hear this. So, so you, you started this, um, there's people on here. My, my wife is like this, this is such valuable. It filled with great info. It is. It's insane. Tony Thorpe, who's also in Canada. A, nice. I love saying that. A, a, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he's, you know, you know how they came up with, um, with Canada as a name for the country. They basically put a bunch of letters in a hat and they were like, C, A. <laughs> oh my god i've never heard that that is so funny oh my god tony's probably gonna leave now <laughs> like, all right i'm throwing my notes away the heck with this interview um so so that is hilarious so you you started this journey you, you hit ten thousand dollars in one month um and <laughs> he said, I'm laughing. This is awesome. eh?" Um, so, so you, you, you start like really like doubling down, so to speak, you quit your job, you go full time with the internet thing. Um, and that was how long ago that was in 2010, you said. So that was around when I was like, uh, 23 or so, because a year later, um, I got, uh, a year later, I think we had our daughter. Okay. And, and the next year after that, I already made my first million. Um, so yeah, in, hold it in one year, you went from 10,000 a month to a million dollars. No, no, two years. So I made my, oh. my first 10 K month actually in, in 2012, no, 2011, man, this whole timeline is so blurred. Um, let's say in 2011, I'm hitting late 2010, I'm hitting 10 K per month. The first year of doing that, I made, I think somewhere in the range of 180 or something like that. The next year, I think I made close to half a mil, but then I, I surpassed the mil. So it was, um, it was just before my daughter was born that I wow. made my first. In fact, I remember my income doubling the month she was born, which was kind of weird. Then uh, in November when she was born, like the income just doubled. It was crazy. You're so, dude, you're so nonchalant. You're just so like, it just happened. Like it's dude, so but, cool. But it's because I'm just a guy with a, with a system. Like I love what I've discovered along the way is that it's really not about your charisma or intelligence or whatever. It's about applying a specific system in an environment where it can, has a high chance of success. And the great thing about list building and why it's so good and, and superior to most other tactics I've ever seen is that it gives you tremendous leverage. Because think about it this way. How long does it take you to write or copy and paste an email and put it into your email list software and hit send? 10 yeah. minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I mean, if you're really slow, an hour. And then if you've got a list of 10,000 people, it's going to take you an hour. But if you've got a list of 100,000 people, it's going to take you the exact same amount of time. Right. 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 So you work the exact same amount of time, but your leverage 
is so much greater. It's the same thing, uh, you know, say Warren Buffett and someone who's like a small time trader, they can make the exact same trade, but Warren Buffett is trading with $10 million. And this person right here is trading with $10,000. They can be both making a gain of 10%, but Buffett made a million bucks and this person made a thousand bucks. Why? Because their leverage is the amount of money invested. So with a list, it's very similar where the, your list size is your leverage. So my buddy, Jackson Crisp, do you know Jackson? Nope. He's, he's one of your students. He said he participated. He said, great coach. Also get lots of email. <laughs> nice. Okay. I love that. He's a former awesome. NFL football player. He's a good friend of mine. Um, so, so, um, my wife's saying, are you teaching this to people? We're getting there. I, I, I know the answer to that. Um, <laughs> if you're not, then there's something wrong. There's something wrong. I'm sure you are. So, um, it's, so, okay. You're 24, 25 years old. You fit, you, you hit your first million dollar year and that's all from sending emails. Yeah, all, all email marketing, all, all list building. Every almost every single dollar uh, I can track back to my list. Yeah. And 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 affiliate marketing. Yeah. So at the time, I'm already starting to uh, to experiment with uh, different types of uh, products. I go from not only promoting my own products, but I realized if I'm great at promoting other people's products, why can't I do my own as well? especially if they could be complementary to the product that I'm choosing to promote for other people. And so uh, what this ended up becoming, this whole affiliate marketing thing, it remains a big side of my income. But uh, I also end up building my own set of programs because, you know, when I started out and I was studying guys like Tony Robbins and Brian Tracy and all the others, I really liked the idea of getting in front of people and teaching or giving a speech. I had no idea how to do it back in the day. I had no credentials, but I really liked the idea. In fact, I've uh, when I moved to Canada, I found uh, a box in my house with a notebook where I would write out my perfect life. And uh, in one of those write-outs, there was a, 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 like a, a tidbit that said, I'm a motivational speaker. And I'm getting in front of a crowd today and, you know, everyone's cheering, et cetera. So I guess it's my ego. Like I do like the idea of getting in front of a crowd, uh, but I don't like the idea of traveling, which means I mostly get in front of virtual crowds so I can do it from this chair. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, I end up developing my own set of programs. And over the years, I created more and more and more and more. And, um, you know, it eventually became uh, what I do today. It's a brand called List Building Lifestyle, where I teach people how to build a list, how to do affiliate marketing, how to drive traffic, how to increase conversions and how to get started uh, online and build yourself a business and independent source of income. Yeah. outside of your job or pension or whatever, uh, using uh, my list building techniques. Okay, so everybody's going to ask, so let me get in front of that. Um, <laughs> what's the website address to check out your courses? Right, so the best thing to do is for you to grab a copy of this book. It's called The List Building Lifestyle, Confessions of an Email Millionaire. Uh, it is available on Amazon. So if uh, you want to post your link to it, 
be my guest. Or uh, you guys can go to igorsbook.com where you can get a big package uh, that includes the book, several courses and some uh, templates as well, as well as the audible version of the book for free and the digital version of the book for free. If you just chip in on shipping and handling uh, so I can uh, actually send it to you, I'll print it at my own dime and give you a $3.2,000 bonus package uh, just so you can get it from my website and not Amazon. Because if you do get it from Amazon, unfortunately, I don't get your email address. So it's and- igorsbook.com. That's right. I love that, dude. I, I love this. This is so awesome. Holy crap. <laughs> Itai, okay. Itai. 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 That's right. Itai. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Itai is who referred you to me. He's been on the show. He's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we have people in China. My buddy Dennis is over there watching right now. This is incredible. Somebody type in igorsbook.com with the www in front of it so it's clickable from the comments. Put that in the comments for me so it's clickable. If you don't put the www, it will not be clickable. So put the www. Um, So, dude, wow. Um, I don't even know what the heck to ask now. My brain... I. Like, I got to go. I want to go over and get signed up for all this. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, so okay, tell me, tell me, um, in your opinion, um, you know, I had Brian Tracy on the show who changed my life 30 years ago. And when, when he was on the show, I couldn't hardly even speak. I was so nervous. Like, I was just, it's Brian freaking Tracy, man. Right. And I so get it, man. I, get it. Yeah. I was like fumbling over my words at first, but I said to him, I said, look, cause he's like, write it down, write it down, write it down, you know, and, and everything you just talked about. And, and I said, I said, Brian, there are people watching this who know you're right. They know that if they write it down, they do all the affirmations, they do everything. They know it'll change their life, but they won't do it. Why? How do you get people to take action if they won't take a- if Like, how do you do it? He goes, you can't change people. <laughs> and I'm like, but I want to. I want people to wake up. So in your opinion, Igor, what do you think stops people from, from experiencing real financial success like we've talked about? And the freedom that comes with that. And, and really, because I've been broken homeless and I've been wealthy and wealthy is way better, way, way better. Right. Yeah. What do you think stops people from experiencing and having it all when they know they can? So what I feel uh, to be true is that people buy into a story and they live out the story over and over and over again. They basically become a victim of a childhood programming that happens as a result of either something happens to them when they were kids or continuous programming done by their parents and the environment where they grew up. Um, uh, And this is clear if you get to travel around the world and kind of observe different cultures. I grew up until I was about 12 in Ukraine. Then I lived in Israel for a long, long time. And then I moved to Canada. And then obviously I connected with lots of people from North America and different parts of Europe. So you can see it when you connect with different cultures, how different, uh, uh, people, how differently people feel and think about the same stuff like money or success or family or anything like that. 
And what I found to be one of the most effective ways to help get people unstuck is actually helping them uh, break through this programming. Um, I've done a lot of that work myself over the years. And um, you, I think it's called um, CBT, uh, something behavioral uh, therapy, where you can go back into your childhood and identify the situations, conversations, and instances when you made a conclusion. Cognitive, for example, cognitive. Yeah, cognitive. That's right. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. So, for example, if you if you uh, had a conversation with your parent and the parent said, you know, no, we're not going to buy this to you. You know, not, not going to buy this toy for you. You know, we don't have the money right now or I need the money for something else. And all of a sudden the child basically decides, hey, my needs are not important. And so uh, then there's this when they grow up, there's this conflict. On one hand, they want to be financially free. They're buying the books and they're doing the courses and they go into seminars. But this programming is so powerful that it's just conflicting and they end up procrastinating and being stuck exactly where they are looking for the next shiny object in hopes that the next shiny object will fix the situation. When in reality, the problem is that even if they had the best system, the best tools, the best techniques and the best mentors, until they let go of that story, nothing's going to change. And I find that the, the, the cognitive behavioral therapy uh, has been extremely, extremely helpful to be able to sort of, if not rewrite the narrative, um, but at least break it so it doesn't run you anymore. Because people just grow up to be adult versions of their child selves that are rerunning the same tape over and over and over and over and over again. This is why also you find there are some people that uh, they have the same sort of relationship uh, patterns happening over and over again. You know, women who get into abusive relationships with abusive men yeah. or people uh, like or men who get into relationships with women and cheat on them every single time, no matter how great the woman they've met is. People who get into business partnerships that fall apart all the time, uh, people who betray their friends, people who are scared of commitment in some way, shape, or form. I got a, uh, my buddy Max that I mentioned earlier. He's like that. He actually got to a point where he almost married twice, and both times he called off the wedding. Wow. Yeah. Max, if you're watching, come on, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Wow, man. That the, it, you're uh, so you're what 35? Yeah, 30, uh, 34, 34, 30, 34. When's your birthday? August 4th. Okay. Um, so you're 34. So much wisdom, man. I mean, there's so much wisdom. Where did, did you learn this reading? I guess. So the, the CBT stuff was actually a result of having a conversation with a buddy of mine who uh, used to be a student of mine who I taught how to build a list. He went on to build his own six figure per month business per month, not per year. Right. Um, and he uh, he is um, he's a divorced guy. He's also from Canada, from uh, the greater Toronto area. And he at one point decides that he wants to get his uh, dating life back in order. And uh, he's got lots of preconceived notions, you know, uh, beliefs about uh, him not being good enough. He puts women on a pedestal, especially super beautiful women. You know, he can't even talk to them like he's literally not able to talk to them. Uh, so he starts exploring the whole idea of identities and um, how we perceive reality. And he explained to me this concept of 3D reality where, you know, something happens 
we make a conclusion about this is how the world works. And then we apply the same conclusion to all the situations that are similar in our life. Wow. Right. So, um, uh, for example, if somebody, you know, there's some people who feel like they have bad luck. It's something that I've noticed, especially if they tried multiple different business opportunities. You know, they yeah. secretly feel they're just got this bad luck or bad karma about making money. It's like no matter if they're hitting a great trend, they're working with a great mentor, they can't make it work for whatever reason. So they literally sabotage it themselves just to reaffirm this belief. Now, why it happened? Because at some point when they were younger, you know, they were on the brink of getting something really cool or achieving something really cool, and it never happened. This, I actually had this, believe it or not, I had this. It was something to do with a bicycle. All the kids in my neighborhood had a bike. And I begged my parents for two years to get me a bike. And every time it, would, it wouldn't work out. One time my dad brought me a bike, but it was terrible. You couldn't ride it. So it was a waste. Other time they brought me a bike, but it was too big for me. I was still a kid. So it ended up going to my brother. I couldn't use it. So like I felt, you know, really just that I can't get a bike, that I can't catch a break. And I remembered it. So all of a sudden I applied the same thinking to my dating life. I apply the same thinking to my professional life. I apply the same thinking to even games where I, you know, when I would be playing video games or sports, you know, I would always feel unlucky. I would always feel uh, that life is giving me the bad end of the stick. Like if I had to shoot a penalty or if I had to make the, the money shot when playing basketball, like I, I, I was convinced it's not going to go in. You know what I mean? Wow. How, okay. So, and I don't want to go too much longer. I know you, you're a busy dude. Um, but the, the, ha, where did you go to find this CBT and the, the, ha, what, how did you overcome that? What was it? you? Yeah. So it's a very, uh, it's a very simple technique uh, that I can teach you right now. It takes five minutes. Anyone can do it. So first thing you do, you identify what triggers you. So something happens, you know, your wife tells you something, all of a sudden you feel a bit of a, you know, something comes up here in the, in the chest or the stomach area, yeah. or you see something on TV, uh, you know, like a, like a, somebody being bullied at work and you cringe. Like I used to be bullied in school. So anytime I see a movie um, about someone being bullied, like I cringe. So, okay, that's a trigger. And that's step one. You find the trigger. Yeah. The second thing you need to put in words, how you feel. Uh, so it could be, I feel left out. Um, I feel inferior. I feel weak. I feel bullied. I feel like my needs don't matter. Things like that. Now, once you've done that, you need to close your eyes and try to just do your best to remember the earliest memory of feeling like that. And the way your intuition works, you will remember something. It yeah. could be something happened to you when you were a teen or when you were five. So for me, one of the first thing, things we worked on with my friend, because he helped me with, with, with this technique, um, you know, he's, uh, we worked on me feeling like I can't ask. Okay. So for example, like if I were, uh, if I was like having a Zoom meeting with a potential you know, business partner, and I wanted to ask them to do something for me to promote my business or something, like I would not ask. I would wait for them to to say it. And if they didn't say it and the call ended, I would feel butthurt, right? It's like, oh, op good opportunities don't come my way. But, <laughs> okay. uh, but there's this great book. It's called The Aladdin Effect. Um, I think it's Mark Victor Hansen and someone the, else. The Aladdin Factor. 
The Autumn Factor. Thank you. I, Mar I told Mark about how that book changed my life because it, it It's a tremendous book. It truly it is. is. And so yeah. that book really, what it does, it makes you ask the question. It yeah. forces you to get okay with the idea of asking. But even after reading that book and listening to it twice, I still had issues with that. And I told my friend and he said, okay, well, it means that you, you can't ask. You feel like how do you feel when you ask or when you're like about to? I said, well, I feel uncomfortable. I feel like I shouldn't be like I like I don't deserve it or something. He said, OK, well, close your eyes. Remember the first time you felt that way. And I remembered it was a time when my mom, she was in the kitchen smoking, looking worried. I ran into the kitchen and I asked her for something sweet. And she I don't remember what she said, but she kind of barked at me. She kind of said, you know, just go away or something like that. Yeah. And I felt like I was like, like my needs don't matter anymore. And I left. Mm. So asking became difficult because my, my belief was that if I ask, I get, you, you know, scolded yeah. or yeah, yeah, it's right here. You associated it. Yeah. yeah. So once you identify the scenario and you can really see that mental movie in your mind, the next step is to create alternative meanings. So the meaning I gave it was my needs don't matter. I shouldn't be asking. And that's a bad one because yeah. it hurts my life. Yeah. So now let's come up with three to five alternative ones. For example, dad was late for dinner. Mom was worried. Couldn't think about me at that moment. Right. Um, mom was really tired and uh, she really wanted to say, hey, uh, can I'll, I'll give you what you want, but not now. Can you leave me alone for a few minutes? I got something else in my mind. Right. Uh, the third thing could be something like, um, um, you know, I'm, I'm angry because this thing, this other thing happened. Right. And uh, it's really terrible. So forgive me for not being patient with you. So let's just say these are the three uh, potential possible. They don't have to be true. They just have to be plausible uh, alternatives to what happened. And then what you do, uh, kind of like what they do, like to do in NLP, is you close your eyes and you play the movie again of that scenario. But this time you state out loud, uh, mom was angry and she just didn't have the patience to tell me that I needed to wait. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or something like, uh, and then, and again, you watch the movie. Very important. You kind of look, you kind of look at what happened, or you say something like, "Mom loves me, and she loved me back then, but she's a she's a poor communicator because she grew up and no one taught her how to express her feelings." You know, mm. it could be anything that's plausible, but that is helpful. And what it does, you do that three to five times, and it's gone. The charge is gone. That's amazing. It is. It is amazing. It is insane. It takes five minutes to do. So last year, uh, what I've done is I woke up every day and the first hour of every day, I did two to three of these exercises where I would sit down, think of something that either worried me or made me angry or made me uncomfortable, whatever. And I would come up with, you know, remember the situation, come up with alternative uh, meanings and then play it. That's all I've done. And within about a year, I cleared probably 85% of the stuff that bugs me. Wow. Now, now it's really hard to get me like um, to lash out at you. Like it's, I'm a lot calmer now and, and I can wow. take on challenges differently too. Like uh, something that happens, you know, I used to just lose my shit, but lose my 
you know, you're fine. fine. Uh, (laughs) um, We say shit on this show. (laughs) Okay. So I, I used to lose it and, and now it's more like, okay, this happened. You know, what are some of the potential solutions? It's, it's a lot more. Um, my inner world is a lot more balanced. Tony Robbins calls this neuro associative conditioning. Like how do we associate, right? This is man, this is freaking powerful. Honestly, if everybody on planet earth doesn't see this interview, they are missing out. This is life changing. Tony Thorpe just said it. This is life changing information. Um, so, so, okay. We're over time, but that's, uh, it's fine. It's the internet and it's my show. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I don't care. So, so, um, I, I hate people that are like, okay, we're down to, to, to I, like, come on, man. Like it's, it's not that serious. Um, but talk about real quick and I don't want to keep you forever either, but talk about the best place for somebody to start learning how to build their list. We talked about the fear of emailing the list, drop that shit right now and email your list every single day is basically what you said. Um, but what's the best place for somebody to start? How can they get involved with you? Is it igorsbook.com? Is that the, the jumping off point? Yes. I wrote this book. Um, I, I wrote this book, Lisbon lifestyle, uh, because I wanted to, because I discovered that I couldn't just tell people, go build your list. I discovered that when I mentioned to people what I do and how I broke the link between my time and my income, um, it it oftentimes went over their heads. I remember going to, you know what a banya is? Like a Russian banya? Uh So it's like a sauna, but like a Russian version. So I was was sitting down with a buddy of mine who's in uh, finance here in Toronto. And he was like, what do you do? And so I explained to him the list building and the affiliate marketing. And this is a finance guy who got an MBA and he just like, no, this is rocket science. So, (laughs) so you know what I said? I think I need to write a book and really lay it down and explain it in a way that everyone can understand. Uh, So the book is the best place to start um, with your list building. Plus, if you get it at igorsbook.com, I'm also throwing in quite a few courses, templates and other helpful stuff to get you going uh, with some, you know, with, with crutches, if you will. Uh, this is, uh, and, and just to be clear, I, I would imagine, I mean, you broke your first million dollar year 13, 12, 13 years ago. It sounds like something in that area. I'm sure you're not still at a million dollars a year. I would imagine you've, you've done better and better. Yeah. Um, so we're talking, you guys are listening to, a, a guy that makes millions, plural, a year, just sending out emails, basically. Not, I mean, it's a little more than that, but I don't want to overcomplicate it. It's, it's really that simple. So everybody listening, everybody watching, everybody on planet Earth that's going to see this, go to igorsbook.com, I-G-O-R-S-B-O-O-K.com, and get the book and get all the extras. And it, it, what's the best place for people to follow you on social media? Uh, do you put out tips and stuff on social? Um, yes. So there are actually two places. One is you can check out my podcast at listbuildinglifestyleshow.com. 
uh, where I do, uh, I talk of all, about all kinds of stuff, you know, personal development stuff. I interview authors. Um, you know, we don't really get involved in politics, but like productivity, personal well-being, um, and as well, of course, email marketing, list building, affiliate marketing, conversions, copywriting, and everything in between. So if you're into improving yourself in every way, you will like that podcast very much. Um, and in addition, you can check out my YouTube channel. You can just go and search up for my name, Igor Kafetz, or you can uh, search for something like Igor List Building, and uh, you'll find it. And on that YouTube channel, I also release additional clips and shorts, um, mostly interviews with different, you know, smart people from all kinds of walks of life who are building the list or, or doing something interesting. So hopefully um, you'll find that interesting. Wow. I'm, I, I'm, I'm really surprised. I, I shouldn't be, but I'm surprised at how blown away I am with this interview today. So um, you are an amazing guest I'm very, very grateful that, that you came on and, and shared so much wisdom. Is there anything else that you would like to share with the audience before I end the live stream? I would like to remind you guys that um, I wasn't born with a silver spoon up my ass, uh, <laughs> as my good friend uh, back in Israel likes to say, um, that I, I tried a bunch of things. It, you know, list building wasn't my first thing. I tried MLM. I tried, um, you know, selling um, these gas. It's like a thing you add into your gas tank to make your fuel last longer or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, things like that. So I, I, I tried a bunch of different things, and it wasn't until I found Lisbon that I succeeded. And I feel that the reason I succeeded is because I found the right system. I feel that success is not about um, intelligence. Obviously, you do need to have a brain and have the ability to do certain things, but it's not, you know, you don't have to be a genius with an IQ of 157. Right. Um, it's not about having the, the most capital because I started out broke. I'm telling you, broke. Um, Beyond broke. You were in debt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I couldn't like go get capital. I'm not a yeah. trust fund child. Um, and I wasn't surrounded by positive role models that encouraged me to start a business either. It was, you know, all the, it's like the old crab story, right? When crabs are in the pot boiling, they're pulling you back in. So that was kind of like that. Yeah. I even had to let go of a few friendships because of that. Um, because people just didn't get me, but I found the right system and I stuck with the system. And I think it is important to understand that even if you have low self-esteem, even if you had uh, uh, failures in the past, it's not that you're not destined to succeed. It is a matter of finding the right system that works for you. And um, then once you found it, sticking to it and scaling it. The reason that I advocate for list building email marketing is because it's highly scalable. You can do it in your spare time. You can do it full time. You can do it any way you wish. But once you're doing it and you're growing your list, your income becomes in, you know, in direct proportion to, to your list size. So the more you grow your list, the more money you start making. And I wish that everyone experiences that because it is, it is really weird for me to still see people work a job where they get, get paid by the hour. I, um, I don't understand that concept anymore. It just You can't get rich like that. You really can't. And you should be angry at, at the way our society is built and the way the school system's built, um, um, where that's the idea that they hammer into us, that it is how we're supposed to live. 
I I disagree with that. I really do. I, don't I want my so kids to agree with like you, that. man. I so agree with you. I dropped out of high school in 12th grade, man. So I, I know. And I, I'll tell you something. I, you know what I'm talking about when you're walking around and you're the least formally educated and you're like, feel really insecure. Like everybody around me is smarter because they went to college. Yep. Until I heard Brian Tracy say he dropped out in 10th grade. And I was like, oh shit. If Brian Tracy can make it, I got a chance. Right. So, so, uh, man, uh, I hope, I really hope that, and not hope, I'm going to make, I'm going to, I'm going to invest in you. I'm going to, I'm going to push this out on, on YouTube ads like crazy. Um, so we're going to blow this interview up. Everybody on the planet needs to hear this. Um, listen, man, I, I'm unbelievably grateful that you came on today. I can say that internet marketing being on the internet since the inception of the internet is there. People need to learn this stuff. They really need to learn this. It is the key to financial freedom. It is literally the key. It's how Grant Cardone has blown up all of them. Yeah. I get three emails a day from Brian Tracy, at least like, you know, I mean, it's insane. So I think now is the time to do it too. Uh, since COVID the world shifted, people oh. became accepting of the idea that they need to get online. And I think if you understand the concept of building a list, not only you can make money for yourself, you can also make a business out of it and go offer the service to other businesses. And, um, and remember with the age of AI upon us with things like chat GPT and other apps, um, it is only getting easier. It used to be very difficult for me to put together a landing page that squeezes an, an email from people. Now you do it. You don't even need to do that. You just enter a keyword in a software and it spits out your pages and your emails and everything else. So the, the barrier to entry today is much lower than it used to be. And the Pareto principle is going to be in play too. If, if there's one or two or 10 people watching, they're like, you know what? I've had this fear forever, but nobody else is going to do it. Like they're not like, that's the other thing. And I know that, you know, this, you have this feeling that everybody's doing it. So why even try, but they're not doing it. They're just not doing they're it. They're not, they're not they're really not. A lot of people know about this. And when they hear the idea, they're like, yeah, that makes sense. But they're really not doing it because of all the different reasons we've talked about today. They're afraid of it, fear of failure, some, some belief they have. And um, it, it's really not about ideas. Uh, I think we live in a world that's bursting with ideas. Uh, it is about implementation. Yep. If you can do a, a half-assed job of implementing and do it consistently and get better over time, you won't believe the amounts of money you can earn and the leverage you can achieve with this. Igor, thank you, man. I know we're way over. I am so grateful. This this has been incredible. I'm I'm going to we're yeah well you'll we'll talk here in a second i'm gonna end the live stream if you don't mind could you hang on for another minute and, and yeah, absolutely. let me wrap this up and let's chat thank you to everybody if you didn't share this out redeem yourself right now and share this out you have a chance to for of redemption so share this out let's make sure everybody gets to know igor everybody goes to um igorsbook.com and and sign up for the book pay shipping you get thousands upon thousands of dollars worth of other free gifts and uh, i mean 
you're a nut job if you don't do it. There, I said it. All right, listen, you guys have a great day. Igor, thank you so much. And make sure you go follow him everywhere, YouTube, everywhere. Follow this guy. He'll change your life. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you. Thank you.